Good afternoon. So we are, or good morning when people listen to this, but uh, we're recording this in the afternoon and uh, we are, I'm here with my my colleague, Emma Cranston, and my other colleague and life partner, Carlos Merced. I am Timothy Crumley, and this is the Common Sense Mental Health Podcast. We're going to be focusing on ethics today. Um, so we'll see where this conversation takes us. Um, uh, Emma and I are both sort of nerds when it comes to uh, ethics and uh, how they uh, apply to specifically our profession as uh, therapists um, and as a uh, mental health counselor. So um, we will be talking about that and uh, we will go from there. But first, uh, here is a little bit about our practice. So Common Sense Mental Health is a, it's, it's basically the overhead for a group of private providers, uh, licensed mental health counselors, social workers, uh, and we operate within our own practices and we provide uh, teletherapy throughout New York state. We also provide in-person therapy as well within the capital region. And all of our providers are competent in teletherapy. Uh, we specialize in video, phone, as well as text-based services. And some of our providers have their own practice that work with Common Sense. And in those practices, they may be overseeing uh, interns or um, sort of pre-licensed providers who are under limited permits. Uh, or something along those lines. Uh, but that is Common Sense Mental Health in a nutshell. Um, any questions, you're always welcome to reach out and ask, and we will be happy to answer. And we are back. So, yeah. So we're going to be talking about ethics. And when I when this topic was brought up, um, Emma, you got really excited. You were, I did. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I was kind of confused why we hadn't talked about ethics before. Yeah. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah. I thought like it would be one of the first ones that you guys would be like, ethics. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And then I mentioned, and you guys are like, oh, yeah. Ethics. yeah. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I don't know, I think we've touched on probably ethical like elements of things as we've had these conversations, but um, yeah, not actually like purposefully talking about ethics and therapy. Um, and of course I always think too of that, the, 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 the episode from uh, the office where uh, Michael and Holly are running a, a, a ethics seminar. Um, for those who watch The Office, for those who don't, I was um, like, I have no idea. Are you just right? And I forgot you don't watch The Office. Um, but yeah, you you've seen it, Carlos. Yeah, you know they the come out about. singing to the let's let's get physical song, but they they put their own lyrics over it, saying let's get ethical. Yes, and they're like doing their own. And they're like dancing with dorky dorky dance. Dorky dance. They have like the the uh, handbook for the company, and it's just yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I highly encourage people who have not seen it. If you look it up on YouTube, um, you know yeah, ethics. It's not hysterical, but it's 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 cute. It's good, and it it, yeah. it applies. It's always it's not hysterical. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. That said, um, so I guess just to dive in, I think the one thing that comes to my mind first, and well, actually, first before I jump in, do either of you have any place that either of you want to start? Not particularly. Not particular. Okay. Um, because, yeah, first place where my mind goes is, especially when it comes to therapy, mental health counseling, there's so many misconceptions around ethics because we are portrayed often so, I'm just to be totally blunt, terribly in the media. Um, and, and by that, I mean like the movies and TV shows. And um, I've been mm-hmm. I've been rewatching Frasier, uh, the uh, sitcom Frasier from from the 90s, early 2000s. And um and again, for those who don't watch it, I, I highly recommend it. I mean, it's a it's a staple of his time. It's really good, but um, it's a TV sitcom. So, you know, and granted, the main characters, um, the two brothers, are both uh, psychiatrists. So, you know, technically a different profession, but you know, related in some ways. And you know, just some some of the ethical well, dilemmas. Sorry, and, but oh, Frazier was kind of ahead of his time because he was doing teletherapy in his show. Well, he was he was doing in, his in a way, right? He was doing the yeah. the the uh, radio show, mm-hmm. yes, right. So he was, yeah, yes. That's a, that's a good point. I like that. It was live. No, it was a little unethical. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and it wasn't technically. I mean, they don't. It I, wasn't actually a session. Exactly, it was just people asking questions. And I don't, I don't know if they were addressed it in the sitcom, but like in real life, you know, I mean, he could certainly do that, but like, yeah, he it would need to be very clear. This is not therapy. Like, yeah. This is not. Yeah. You know, it's just advice. This is just advice, and you know, and I think they do actually. I think they that comes up a few times, but um, that's a good point, though. That, that's yeah, it was ahead of its time. It was to perform a tele again therapy, but yeah, mm-hmm. it was yeah, 
for sure. Um, but yeah, so I think of shows like that and, you know, just some of the ethical dilemmas that come up in that. Like, I'll sit there and I'll be cringing like, oh. like, this is a no brainer. Like, this is not this isn't even a dilemma. This is just you shouldn't do that. Like, it's just, you know, so obvious. But, you know, in the show, they got to, you know, make it a show. So stuff like that, you know, we're, we're portrayed in ways that are not always favorable and in ways that um, and then in real life, there's plenty of unethical therapists that range from, you know, probably minor or more minor ethical infractions to, I mean, there are therapists in the field that are actively seeking to actively harm people. And, yeah. you know, there is a lot of danger and, and a lot of, um, you know, really, really awful things that happen or can happen in therapy with the wrong person. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah. So anyway, so just all that being said, like that comes to my mind when we think about ethics. And I think because of all that, there's a lot of misconceptions. I think clients coming into therapy don't always know. Um, yeah. Or if they do, it, it is that they're kind of going off of what they've seen. I, although I have clients too who have been through therapy enough times where they know it as well as I do and they could recite, yeah. you know, what the ethical boundaries are and whatnot. So, um, yeah, so hopefully this would be helpful. I mean, in terms of other therapists listening and kind of their own dilemmas and things that they think about, but I'm also thinking about clients and, you know, hearing this, you know, from, you know, two therapists talking about this, some of the things that we do need to think about boundaries that should be happening. And if they're not happening, that might be something to look at. Um, right. You know, there are gray areas too. There are times, you know, so anyway, that was a very broad general opening to this, but um, any thoughts from either of you that are coming up? I am completely agreeing with you about how um, some of the media representations of therapists, and I'm actually thinking of, I don't even remember what the show is called because I heard about it and knew immediately that I did not want to watch it. Mm -hmm. um, but I know like in the past few years, there was some show, Tim and Carlos, I think you guys might have watched it. I think you, I, I've heard of it, I think. And I, mm -hmm. I think I remember you mentioning it and I don't think we have seen it yet. Okay. Right, go ahead. Go ahead. It was like some terrible, I'm sorry, my own opinion. It was a show where like the main character was a therapist who essentially like kind of got, I think like obsessed with one of her clients and was just like trying to become friends with her. And like, this is ringing a bell. Like this is like, I, we, yes. when we all went to that one concert like years ago, yes. we were talking about it in the car. Oh my God. Yes. 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 <laughs> I think, yeah, someone, I don't know if you brought it up, Carlos, or someone else I think did. Emily may have i yeah, i think I so i don't remember exactly but anyway yeah yeah um side note we should have emily on the podcast or something oh my god we should uh yeah. she is another just again people who don't know um she is a, a another local licensed mental health counselor and is a fabulous therapist so, so oh shout god, out to yes. emily if she's listening um mm -hmm. yeah we should definitely have her on um, 1, um yeah but no it might have been her she may I, I don't know i don't remember who brought it up but i i know what you're talking about emily. i this this did come up and it was i yes. remember um it was um the uh, dave what was it dave matthews band or no, it was another was, um incubus incubus concert yes yes yes, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good times. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. So, like, that's, yeah, that's right. Anyway, not to cut you off. No, I, because I think maybe that it was Emily who had seen it. Somebody in the car had been watching it and talking about it. And I remember having such a physical reaction to even hearing about some of this stuff. Like, my toes were curling, and it was just like, oh my God, no. Yeah. Which, to be fair, is. I have that reaction to a lot of shows when things are <laughs> representing counselors or like really unhealthy relationship dynamics that for some reason people really like that. Mm. Looking at you, you, um, mm. that show just. Mm. Oh but, yeah, yes. yeah. I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't catch that at first. In terms, of, yes, yes, that we we, we that whole thing. Mm. Watched, yes. I have opinions. I haven't even watched okay. it. I read the book and I wanted to die. So, okay, that was dramatic. <laughs> no, but, but I, I hear you. Yeah. I, like, yeah. I have a lot of, I have some strong reactions to like media romanticism of just really unhealthy things and dynamics. So, um, similar to my reaction to mental health counselors portrayed in media. Uh, and I think it, or that's actually part of my informed consent with people, kind of acknowledging like, so. I don't look like a counselor on TV. Mm. Like that is not what therapy is going to be. Yeah. Um, and kind of like make it clear right from the get go. And like you said, there are some clients who have gone through enough therapy that they kind of can laugh and say like, Oh yeah, I know. Um, but for some, it is actually a necessary conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, things like I'm not going to have a dramatic breakthrough moment where I yell at you and suddenly <laughs> everything falls into place. Like, right. 
I just remember that in one movie, and I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> we but, don't do that, no. <laughs> no, no, yeah. not, not that. Uh, so I think that media representation of counselors can really skew client perspective about what what the heck they're walking into. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what, what comes up for you? What are your thoughts from a non-therapist um, perspective? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, my guess is that you probably wouldn't have the same kind of reaction to some of these shows that Emma is ascribing, or I, I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Like, I like, well, I mean, I think there's times that you and I have been watching something, and I'm like, I, I, I can barely watch this. Like, it's yeah. just like, you know, this person is grossly, you know, they're engaging in like gross malpractice. Yeah. Um, um, for me, it's not as real as, as it is for you, I think, when we're watching it. Right. Like, when we're watching it, I can tell you're like, you're seriously uncomfortable. For me, I'm entertained, but I'm also like uncomfortable, but it's also a show, so I don't care. But for you, it's like hitting home. Like, no, this cannot happen. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just funny. It's it's entertaining for me to see your reaction when, when we do come across a therapist being unethical in a TV show or something like that. And I think it's, yeah, and I think it's, I know for me, again, I can't speak for you, I think it depends on what it is, right? It depends on what we're talking about. If it's, you know, so for example, like I was watching this show um, on on uh, on Hulu um, where there was a therapist character and um, he's doing like good work with the client. There's actually like certain scenes where it's like, oh, like that makes sense. Like what he just did or what he just said. It comes to a point where he ends up, and I won't get into the whole thing about the show but but basically he ends up in the client's home like he's like you know or no she ends up at his home she like is like oh. basically like he's going through the stuff and then he's like so like things that like should oh, not be happening no. yeah yes but because of the context i was able to i mean i'm, I'm still like that should never happen but it was more because he clearly was not in the show looking to engage in any like additional relationship or you know the show was just being a show the show was Mm -hmm. was being dramatic and they resume therapy and he's being a normal therapist again kind of a thing so it's like that i can i can tolerate that um i mean the big one is you know a therapist sleeping with a client like that's you know and then that's again a kind of classic media you know thing but um definitely makes me cringe like that's you know oh yeah ooh. and that makes you cringe even like beyond the like um what's what's like the window of opportunity I, I, like mm. it's like seven years or something like that until you can like interact with a client like in normal like day-to-day fashion so or something like that that's, I don't a, know. that's a good question so if i want to get technical for a minute and i have to go back and look and granted i'm actually going off of like 2014 aca um yeah. i'm assuming they've had a revised version since then i think when i last looked i couldn't find one. anyway um but going off of ethics that are maybe potentially a little bit out of date uh, i think they said something about um i think it's five years i think after five years if you can demonstrate and you can essentially document how and why this is not going to be harmful to this person, you can engage in a kind of like a friendship, meet up for coffee, whatever. Um, and, Sorry. And actually, space they, during this is just like, no. And, no. And, and, and they, don't, they don't really specify. They don't really specify the type of relationship, right? But it's like that basically you can, you know, see this person in, in you know, the outside world. Um, and that goes for the family members as well that, you know, people don't think about that either, but that actually, that's a dilemma that comes up in one of the Frasier episodes where it's like someone's sister or something. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. You can't, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. You can't, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's part of it too, is I know for me personally, and I can't speak to everyone's practice, but for me, it's just never like, I just, there's just no, like once we are a therapist and client, we will always be therapist and client because, um, and I'll actually, I'll credit my own therapist for this is, and he shared it with me in this way, because he's very kind of strict with that. And he shared it with me as even 20 years from now, you know, you have a certain idea of me, you have a certain understanding of me, you have a certain, you know, and to, to, to see me outside of that. Um, and, and again, in a way where we're having coffee or basically engaging in a kind of friendship that could still impact the work that you did 20 years prior, that can still impact the work that you did previously, which I, I'm a firm believer in, um, so yeah so like for me it's like that's just so i'm kind of good on that like i don't really need to know is it five years is it 10 years i'm just like you know and that's yeah, why I, I couldn't even tell you if it was five or seven because i'm just like yeah would never do it um mm-hmm. and i told clients that and clients that we had a really good you know had a really good working relationship and i was asked 
prior to them terminating, you know, is this something that we could, and I'm, you know, I'll explain that to them. And they're kind of like, look at me like, why, like ever? And I'm like, ever, yeah. you know, yeah. um, you know, I, I will allow them to, and I know we've talked about this, Emma, I'll give um, definitely the option. People can reach me at my office. They can, you know, email me at my, you know, business email address. They can, they can check in, you know, like that's yeah. perfectly fine. And, and doing that from time to time can, you know, that's fine. I'll respond. Um, but no, we're not, I'm not going to friend you on Facebook. I'm not going to accept your friend requests. I'm not going to meet you for coffee. Yeah. I'm not, no, just because that for their sake. Um, yeah. And there are cases where I very much, I mean, it's, it's a struggle sometimes because I, I want to, like, I, I'm like, I could totally be friends with this person. Like this person is mm-hmm. awesome. Like they're just really, and like, I could totally do that, but that would not be in their best interest. Um, yeah. And that's such, such an unfortunate position at times. I, I know I will often brag to like other counselors how I have the coolest clients uh, because I legitimately do. My clients are always so stinking cool. Um, but I'm not their friend. Yeah. And that will always be our relationship. Like, mm. you will always be my client even if we're not actively engaging in sessions. Yeah. You are not my friend. Yeah. Um, and of course, I, I present it in a much more like kind way than that. But I am also very clear with like we aren't friends. Yeah, it's just the context of our relationship, uh, and it sucks sometimes. You know, counseling is such a weird relationship anyway because there's such an a um, an intimacy and depth to it. Mm, yeah, that it, it like it's it creates in the like the space in this moment, and that's where it exists. And that's all it will ever be. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. At Absolutely. least for me. No, but that's a really good and and I think that gets at a lot with us because and I think partly why ethics are so important. Um and this is gonna kind of branch off a little bit, but yeah, I think that you're right. It's 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 something where you are being very intimate with a client and they're sharing, you know everything with you, or they're sharing, you know, yeah. they're comfortable sharing. They're they're sharing a great deal with you. They're opening up to you and you're you're taking that in. And you can sometimes relate to it. You can sometimes have various reactions to it, positive or negative. Um, you know, so it's it's hard to, um, yeah, it, it can be hard with that. Yeah. You, you want to sort of jump in as their friend. You want to be able to say, oh, no, mm-hmm. I've, I've been through that or I've been, you know, and there can be a room for self-disclosure. But again, it's got to be in their best interests. And it, it can't mm-hmm. be this back and forth process where you're you're chatting, quote unquote, you know, like that's not. Yeah. Um, but that is hard, especially when you do when you do relate. Um, but I think this ties into why ethics obviously are needed and need to be outlined. And I also think it ties into, at least for me, um, why it's so like, again, even more like watching a show and, and there's a therapist who's being unethical in some way, why it's, it's so cringeworthy because it's like, how should I put this? It's like, that is so like integral to the work. And it's like the moment you do that, you are harming somebody, right? It's like, you are, you know, um, this whole notion that, you know, they are, you know, for, so again, you know, if you have a client that you're, again, hopefully not, but if you were to have an intimate relationship with in a, some, some sort of sexual way, it's like, well, no, they're also an adult. They're also, but no, they're not because you're, you're in a power dynamic with them. Right. And it's like, so because of the importance of that and because of the power dynamic and because of what you're having to maintain there, I think that's partly why it gets so cringeworthy because when someone does that, they just, I'm sorry, they just messed all of that. (laughs) They they just messed all of that up. Like, and that person is going to be harmed and they're going to carry that with them, whether or not they see it that way, whether or not, you know, they're quote on board or whatever, it doesn't matter. Like they are going to be harmed by that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I think that's partly why it's so friendsworthy. And just, and I think too, we also empathize with that environment and with that dynamic. So we put ourselves in that shoe, in that, you know, the shoes of that person. And it's like, that's horrifying. Like the idea yeah. of breaching that, the idea of hurting a client in that way, it's a horrifying thing, as it should be. It should be mm-hmm. cringeworthy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if that makes sense, like that's. Oh, it absolutely makes sense. And, yeah. I, and I hear you because it's. Whenever people say something like, oh, well, you know, consenting adults or they're no longer working together or whatever, I, that's cringeworthy enough if it's just a person. Mm. I have had either other counselors or like counseling students who Mm. have commented things like, well, you know, sometimes you find love in the weirdest places. Mm. And when I hear that from another counselor or from somebody who wants to be a counselor. Yeah. I have 
alarm bells. Like, yes, yes. Am I judgmental? Maybe. But I also know that you're probably not going to be one of my referral sources. Right. Like, I will not be sending clients to you. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, it's like, I... Absolutely, mm-hmm. yes. yes. And I know that that's very black and white. I will totally acknowledge that I have some black and white thinking here. But it's also an area where I don't think black and white thinking is inappropriate. Yeah, like, yes. This is, that's just a hard line. <laughs> well, and, and, it's, and part of it, I think, is because I would fully agree. And I think it's it's because of what's at stake, right? It's mm-hmm. like, you know, and maybe that person would never, right? Maybe they do have good ethics and they just have weird... But it's, again, yeah, I, I can get judgy. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go down that road. But yeah. even even if they are a very ethical therapist, mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah, having those alarm bells, you know, listening for that and then working off of that, that is ultimately in your client's best interest. And that's really what this all boils down to is what is going to yeah. benefit versus harm your client. And yeah. that's what ultimately matters. So it's like it maybe it is judgy. Maybe it is black and white. But mm-hmm. I think, like you said, I think if there's an area where, you know, that's the case i think that is a very appropriate yeah you know place for that if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah and sure. i know i know that ethics is more than a client sleeping with their therapist mm. and i think that one of the issues with ethics is um not ethics but like discussion of ethics is we mm. often we as a, a whole career field um we kind of go to the quote-unquote worst-case scenario, mm. which for a lot of us is a counselor engaging in a relationship with their client. Yes. Um, there are so many other ethical issues before that, or yes. um, you know, not sequentially before, but just like in addition to that. Um, and I, I kind of have this belief you can't have ethics without self-awareness. Mm. Um because a lot of our ethical guidelines are about recognizing our own limitations. Mm. So, you know, like competency, for example, mm. I am not competent in uh, psychodynamic interventions because mm. I honestly, it's not, that's not my counseling style that I lean into. So if somebody shows up wanting a psychodynamic counselor, mm. I can't take them. But you know, like if they're, if that's all they want, I would not be able to accept that client and provide them those services because it would really just be me winging it yeah. or Googling something before session, right. which is not correct. So <laughs> you don't there's like, right. yeah, mm-hmm. there's that self-awareness piece of, oh, that's outside of my abilities. And yeah. that's okay. As yeah. counselors, we are not expected to be everything for everybody. Yeah. Um, I can do a great job if people want to have more of a cognitive behavioral focus Yeah, with some nice Rogerian intervention sprinkled in for some spice. I don't know. Hmm. Um, but I'm not going to be able to do psychodynamic with anyone. Yeah, yeah. you know, I like spice in my session. <laughs> yeah. No, but I hear you with that. Absolutely. And knowing knowing what those, what those limits are is very important. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you had mentioned like that chit-chat idea earlier. Yeah. Like if you're just yeah. chatting with a client, there can be... I absolutely clinically justified benefit of engaging the clients in small talk, yeah. which was something that it took me a long time to realize. Mm. I remember like actually coming to you in the past for supervision about like, Oh, we just like talked all session, not mm. about anything deep. Mm. And you had to kind of push back and say, Oh, well, this is your very first session with this client. So you're building rapport. Right. right. Yeah. You know, like there is. The I think I remember that. Of, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I remember just being like, Oh my God. That's like the basis of care. right, right, right. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, there is a time where we can clinically justify something like chatting. Yeah. Um, but there's like this, essentially, as a counselor, you have to kind of be in quotes on at all mm-hmm. times. Why am I chatting with this person? What is my clinical justification? If I don't have one, I'm just chatting. Yeah. I'm filling my own needs instead of the needs of my client. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I think, and that goes back to, and I think we've talked about this in some other contexts, but that goes back to any decision you're making in therapy, who are you making it for? Is it mm-hmm. for you? Or is it for them? Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's a really, I mean, I had a supervisor tell me that a long time ago and it is very like, it applies to so much and it's a really mm-hmm. easy way to kind of find some of that ethical baseline. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As we're, as we're talking about this, do you have additional thoughts, Carlos? Um, I do. So taking some notes? Um, I, I am taking some notes, um, but we should probably take a quick break and then come back. And okay. Touch on what I was thinking. That sounds good. <laughs> and we're back. 
Um, so yeah, so we're gonna I think kick off with you, Carlos. You had some thoughts you wanted to share. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I honestly don't know if it's related to what you guys were just talking about. So sorry if it changes the subject a little bit. That's okay. Um, but um, something that keeps popping up for me is you were watching this show um on Hulu for a while. Um, it's a, like a doctor show, uh, New Amsterdam. Oh yeah, yes. Um, and there's a therapist on there. Yes. And there was. Uh, oh yeah, yes. There was a a, a series where he was kind of in trouble for misconduct with a client, but it was a gray area. It was a gray area, and this was um just for further detail. This was the the hospital psychiatrist. He's like the head psychiatrist. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I think he like he has a a habit of like hugging his clients or. I kind of remember. I think that's. I know the exact episode you're talking about, and I think that was it. I think he like hugged a client because like they were being moved from a foster home or something. Yes, and this other provider like kind of just saw this saw dynamic. It. She reported it. It created this investigation, and um, like he I, almost lost his job, type of thing. Yeah, and the main allegation was that he, essentially that he was creating dependence among his clients, which is a, a major like what? dynamic and, and ethical thing that does come up in the work um, or can. Um, that he was somehow fostering the sort of dependence, and that was the accusation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's, no. So, yeah. so that that just leads me to my next thing oh. is he's like he picks up his post-it <laughs> now and he has like a little Venn diagram beneath it. <laughs> Look at you. Can I help you? <laughs> when did you make that? Just now. So that leads me to my other thing is like if you can create a Venn diagram of what is ethical and what isn't ethical and then what like goes into like the kind of like gray area yeah. of that what what behaviors would you place in what circle oh wow well oh go ahead i hope you have a really big gray area circle <laughs> like the, i hope there's a big overlap right. area yeah. no, this is just for visual well i mean let's start with or well let's start with that episode because it's it's kind of coming back to me as we're talking about it and i, I hope i get this right but um ultimately at the end of that episode he was well actually i'm gonna spoil it so spoil alert spoiler if you're watching alert, if you're gonna watch new amsterdam pause us or fast forward you just there. totally hijacked my spoiler yeah, alert sorry. Man, like, you like, just, like, you see him jump in and he like, hit the hand motions. And, That's very physical. Um, but yes, um, so what happens at the end is uh, he is cleared. And um, actually, the person who reports him actually goes to him and apologizes Apologies. because she, again, it's a complicated episode. They're all complicated. But that that, that particular episode, she um, sees a, another sort of impact of his work with this particular client and kind of learns, because the client was interviewed, at, I think, a few different points. And the family's interviewed and... Um, and yeah, and essentially she kind of figures out, oh, wait a minute, there wasn't really a dependent relationship here. He was essentially getting through to this kid and was doing so in a very powerful way. So she end up, ends up basically going to him and just acknowledging, and she reveals herself, I think, as having reported it. She apologizes. And he actually kind of switches his tune and is like, no, actually, I'm glad that you did. The, you know, he doesn't say it like this, but basically he starts looking at that and he's like, am I like actually like the fostering come with some kind of dependence? Even, you know, um, so like, going off of that right hugging hugging the client or um yeah like, again like that's what chit chat right that's what like rapport building um uh-huh. and to what extent and what is that you know um yeah that i think would certainly fit within the gray area the gray area right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. if that makes sense 100%. yeah yeah because like what i i mean if, if a client um wanted or you know was looking as though they were you know sort of looking for and i would always this is the other thing too i would always ask for permission um i would never just hug someone but i would ask for permission and um and i would absolutely hug a client like that that's just me like i would i would do that um and and potentially maybe at the end of our session you know like so again that's just diving into this a little bit for me if I'm in a session with somebody and let's say they're at a point and, you know, I would not, even if they were, you know, sort of maybe looking for this, I would not get up, sit next to them, or I would not in the session go out of my way to hug them. I would remain in my seat. I would, you know, be very, I would be very present with them. I would do everything I could to be present with them and to show that, but I would not at the end of a session. That's where I would be open to it. If, I deemed it beneficial for the client. If I could see that the client's looking for this, um, 
another thing I would take into account with this, so I'm kind of like dissecting this example and, and hijacking a little bit, but I, I would also consider the client's boundaries. That's a big thing for me. Does a client respect boundaries on their end? Because yes. uh, as providers and providers listening, we do get clients who are very not great with that. And, um, it, and yeah, so a client that's struggling with boundaries, I would not do that. And it's not personal. It's just, I, I know that that could send a message that would not be helpful for our working yes. relationship. That would not be helpful for them. Um, but yeah, a client who's good with their boundaries, who it seems like that'd be appropriate with that, with that, uh, 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 consent, uh, that would, mm-hmm. you know, that is something I would consider, um, yep. if that makes, makes sense. Makes a ton of sense. I know for me with hugging, my rule is generally at termination. Mm-hmm. Um, I will offer a hug, um, mm-hmm. pretty much, uh, yeah, for everyone. Mm-hmm. I have never, I mean, obviously now I'm doing tele, so that's, uh, that doesn't happen, but um, sure. I'm thinking back to like my in-person clients, um, and you know my previous experience with in-person therapy was in a residential setting, so there was also like just a a lot of familiarity. Mm. Um, but with every single client, when they were terminating, I would offer a hug, yeah. and I always made it clear no expectation. You know, yeah. just because I'm offering it doesn't mean you now have to accept. Right. Um, right. I have a handful of times hugged a client not at termination mm. uh, probably more than a handful I was like two handfuls but um, <laughs> pretty rarely I would say and in those times it's you know there has to be like a real good clinical reason um, I have engaged in like physical contact with clients in the past uh, the way I worded that just sounded quite uncomfortable but I'm talking more like <laughs> you know there was a client where he did struggle more with boundaries, so it was kind of like all throughout treatment, no, we're not hugging, but we would fist bump at the end of every session. Nice. So it's, you know, it's like a no contact, low risk, but mm. symbolic ending of the session and like the work he did. Um, I like that. So yeah. fist bumping, or like I've had clients when they get good news and they get really excited and they want to hug, but I know they struggle with boundaries, so I'll kind of say like, no, I don't hug, but let's high five, man. Yeah. And, you know, we can high five, and it's still like, yeah. you get that satisfaction of like, ah, Someone's been this with me more than just verbally. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I like the high five piece. I've I, I've done that. Yeah. Certainly. That's that's a that's a big one. Um. Yeah. It is funny because we're also now you know living in the era of COVID. Right. So it's like you know even for providers who have decided to go back to in person or they're you know doing that mm-hmm. obviously we're not there is no physical contact and yeah. for that reason there shouldn't be and that's for a whole other set of reasons. Um. But yeah. Yeah. You gonna add something? Um, I don't think so. Oh. Oh, um, no, I was. Um, so basically what I'm getting from, um, your earlier statement about, uh, when he was actually re- the guy, mm. Michelle was reported. Yeah. Um, he thanked the other person for reporting him because he didn't really see it himself. Mm. Yeah. So basically it's like, even as you know, an educated therapist who thinks they know what they're doing, they should also still be seeking out, um, like, supervision or, like, you know, they should still be getting feedback Absolutely. For, from their peers and colleagues. Yes. And, yeah. and that's a really, no, you just touched on, um, I know I say this, like, all the time, you'd be great in therapy. I know you don't want to be a therapist. No pressure. You don't even have to respond to that, but you'd make a great therapist. Um, but... Um, uh, yes, that the supervision and consultation component, that is, I think that ties in so much to what we're talking about, because yes. not only, I mean, f- from the very basic, like you're running something by someone. So like, hey, am I hug people at the end of you know sessions sometimes? Do you think that that's, you know, so there's that. But then there's also just like hearing other people's stories is helpful, right? I mean, I'm yeah. part of like a number of, and granted, I, I engage in other supervision too, but I'm a part of a number of private practice groups on Facebook. And um, you know, and I see some of the things that come up in those groups and it's helpful to see other people's questions and stories because sometimes they're questions that I've had, um, or they're things that, you know, I see them asking that and I kind of, you know, I, I may comment or I may not, but I, I have a sense of like, oh, I would, you know, advise you to, to, you know, do this or that. And just having that and not doing it in a silo. And actually I think part of what I think, I think there's even research around this, although don't quote me on it, but, um, I think part of what. Um, can allow for or increase the risk of ethical infractions is operating in a silo, 
So when you're not consulting other people, when you're not getting supervision, even with a license, even if you don't need it for your state hours or whatever, if you're not doing those things, you are putting yourself at increased risk because, you know, you do get comfortable, right? It's like, and and imagine like, you know, again, pre-COVID, right? You're going to the office. It's only you at that office. You know, you don't have other people in your circle with you at the office. It's just your space with the client. And again, it's very intimate. They're sharing a lot with you. You're carrying that. So it's like, there's all these dynamics happening. And if you don't have an outlet for that and you're not processing that with someone else, who, again, understands the boundaries and, and really what needs to be happening. Um, yeah, that can that can set someone up, even the most well-intentioned, you know, very knowledgeable, very competent therapist can get tangled up and mm-hmm. something that's not good if, if that's right that way. Uh, if that makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. And I'm actually glad you bring it up because it's, it's reminding me of, I have a, a peer who I respect the hell out of. Mm-hmm. He is a fantastic counselor um and previously i worked with him before and there had been an instance where he was getting quite like emotional with the client to the point where his voice was raising um and i had kind of jumped in and said like you know brought it back to the client like hey what's coming up for you as this is happening Mm. and that broke it up enough for the the counselor to take a step back and kind of like oh yeah, I'm now going too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of got through the interaction with the client and then after I had a fantastic conversation because it was essentially like, that was inappropriate. Yeah. Like you were going too far. Yeah. And like what was happening? Yeah. Um, and it was fantastic because for that counselor, they were able to really like figure out, oh, I care a lot about this client and I don't want anything bad to happen. So I'm passionate about it, but I'm going about it wrong. Yeah. Um, And I think it highlights the importance of having a team around you that will call you on your bullshit because Mm -hmm. we all need it. Yeah. Um, Yep. Because as counselors, like being a counselor is fantastic. There can be a lot of pride in that. Um, We actually don't have our lives figured out, though. Mm, You know, like every counselor is bringing their own crap. (laughs) So, like, (laughs) we need to have people in our lives who can call us out. Um, and some of the people that I respect most, I don't want to say are flawed counselors, because I, I don't mean like, oh, you know, they just go around making all these mistakes all the time. Um, but like, I, there are times where they can own, oh, I messed up this one time. Yeah. You know, yes. like I recognize this is an area that I have to change. Yes. Um, and I know there have been times for me where I've, I have recognized like, you know what? I was having an off day in session that day and I mm. absolutely was lazier in my interventions yeah or you know what that was a period where i was chatting Mm. instead of providing therapy or clinically building rapport um and kind of bringing the ethics piece back into it we are all imperfect we will make some mistakes but when we recognize them it is absolutely our responsibility and duty to bring it back and bring it back up so like if i recognize oh i'm being inappropriate towards not like sexually but you know i just i had a reaction that was inappropriate or whatever Mm. i need to bring that back up with that client and we have to work through that yeah because if we kind of like allow our own pride to shield us from the discomfort of owning that we made a mistake or something we have no business providing like we have to be able to own when it's like oh sorry i did make that mistake yeah Yeah. not not as casually as that but you know own it and work through it. Yeah. Or refer out if you recognize, like, okay, this is a really bad thing that I did. I'm now unable to, like, I can't provide competent therapy to you anymore. Own it. Take your responsibility. And then get that referral on out of there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think that makes, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I keep turning to you only because you're... you're Keep taking notes. So watch don't that mind me taking notes. I'm just writing little things down. <laughs> um, anything you'd add? Um, not to Okay, that was yeah, well put. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I think yeah, and and for me, it it goes back to you know we talk about impact versus intent, right? And mm-hmm. you know, and I think you know this is coming up especially when we talk about like the anti-racism work. And, and mm-hmm. you know, speaking as a white provider, um, yeah. you know, understanding that, and and so like that, that's a that's a big piece of that. But it, it absolutely, I think, applies when we talk about therapy in general. It's like you know, we have to be thinking about what is what is the impact of our um, of our work on the client, regardless of what we may be trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. And if we're open to that and okay with that, then I think we're more apt to you know 
hold ourselves responsible and and be open to accepting that when it's something that um you know where i think when the provider when the provider's identity and their own stuff is wrapped up in their performance and what they're doing i think it gets it gets much harder because yes. for that provider there's more at stake and i think that's where providers struggle with taking feedback sometimes um, for sure i shouldn't say sometimes often um they struggle yeah. with taking feedback um and and especially i mean like th- again that's provider to provider right which that's that's yeah. one thing and that's if they, they are engaged in supervision but even if a client you know says i mean again a, a, an example of this but there's plenty of others um if you were to use the wrong name or pronouns with a client right it's like you know, and we, you know, we talked about that in terms of, um, actually, I don't know if we talked about the podcast, but that really best practice with that example. But I think kind of going back to what you're saying in a more uh, sort of a uh, larger sense, you know, you want to acknowledge it, you want to apologize and you correct it. And then you seek to not do it again. And mm-hmm. you make that a point to not do it again. Um, right. You know, it's like, that's, and I think, again, that kind of applies on maybe a sort of larger scale with what we're talking about here of like, yeah, it's okay to acknowledge these things. I think it's also important. So from another perspective and and more, I guess, from the kind of business end of this, I mean, ethically, and I think in terms of what the right thing to do is, I think what you're saying is spot on. But even from a liability and business standpoint, they've done research and research has indicated that I don't, I can't quote the exact study, but it's out there and, and, and I would certainly share it. Um, but um, they found that that in terms of people facing malpractice suits, and this was, I think, among doctors, it wasn't among therapists, but I, I'm, I would bet a lot of money that the same applies, um, that doctors that admitted mistakes and owned them and sought to rectify them and, you know, did all the right things around that and, and it, you know, were able to own it with the client. And they had a drastic reduce reduction. And I think in some cases, none, but a drastic reduction in malpractice cases or malpractice being brought against them just because they were acknowledging it and they were nice uh-huh. about it. Like that's, that was it. They were just uh-huh. like, you know, being genuine about it. Um, I think when you get defensive in the moment that you're, I think the moment that you're being defensive with a client, something has gone off the rails. Yes. Right. It's like, that's not, and that's different from setting a boundary with a client or from a, you know, or different from a client um, being inappropriate towards you and you having to, but if you find yourself being defensive based on some feedback you're getting, you might want to look at that. Even if at the end of the day, you know, it, it becomes clear that, that the client is for some reason not, you know, that there's something that they're missing, maybe, but if you're not able to at least listen and just acknowledge the feedback, like there's something you may want to look at with that, if that makes sense. Um, that makes a ton of sense, but I, I really like the way you framed it. I, I'm thinking back to, I had an experience with a client where he was frustrated with me and in that moment said like, I, I guess I was doing some minimal encouragers. So mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like hearing him as he was venting and he kind of said like, and you just say mm-hmm, too much. And I was kind of like, okay. Like, you know, thank you thank nice. you for letting me know and yeah. after you know even like five minutes later he was like i'm sorry it's not it's actually not too much i it, it's fine and i was kind of like well that's still good feedback if it feels like when mm. you're really upset and i'm just saying uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh mm. and that's annoying that's still valid mm. you know like mm. yeah and it, it's actually helped a lot because it's it's it happened years ago mm. and i still will be very attentive to like how much minimal encouraging am I doing? Mm. Am I just making noises repeatedly for no reason? Or yeah. is this impactful here? So it's, it's actually been really helpful. So even in, you know, even if there is, a, I think sometimes counselors can discount client feedback if it was spoken out of anger. Mm. Yeah, yes. And it's kind of like, just because oh, yes. they apologize and take it back doesn't mean that you shouldn't learn from it. Yes. Like, yeah. It's there. And maybe, like, maybe it's just assessing it and realizing, oh, no, that really, that this doesn't really apply. And that's okay. Then it doesn't apply, but you've had some self-reflection, and that's a good thing. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, in, in all of that, Emma, too, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, what I heard in all of that is your overall competency, your sense of identity and your, your work, none of that was on the line, right? It wasn't like, <laughs> by this person calling you out, suddenly you were a bad therapist. It was like, no. oh, like, that's, and, like, that separation, I think that's, like, that's a big part of that um, mm-hmm. when it's, I think when it's so infused and intertwined, I think mm-hmm. doing exactly what you just said is a lot harder for the provider to be able to. Yeah. Um, it's, it's frightening. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And I, I appreciate what you said too. I think historically there's a lot of historical background with this where I think providers, yes, we, we, we discount anger. You know, we say, mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, so-and-so, you know, was really angry and, 
you know, so, you know, he's working through or that's, I mean, that's, that's classic of like anything that the client says to you that's, that's even remotely negative. That's yeah. a clinical issue that they're, that they're dealing with. No, it could be that you mess something up. It could be that you uh-huh. actually, but yeah, absolutely. Like we absolutely deflect it that way. And, yeah. and then I think clients are then facing, you know, then they, they, they face a couple of things. They're facing a sort of gaslighting dynamic with you at yes. that point because they know there's a dynamic here. They know that there's something here about what you did that was not helpful, but they're also now second guessing it because you're saying, nope, that's not true. And then on top of that, you know, you're essentially blaming them, right? You're saying that this is something that they got to deal with. So then they're left trying to fix this thing that is actually your problem or it, yeah. it's, it's possibly your problem. Like that's, Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And if we can own our problems and then correct them, we we have the potential. And of course, it will depend on like the severity of the infraction. So mm-hmm. I want to be clear with that. But um, if we can own it, you know, if it's a more minor thing or like, oh, you know, I realized after session that I shouldn't have said that to you. Yeah. Um, by owning it, you're now turning it around to something that may be a very... Um, like defining moment for their work with you. Mm. Um, and it can be like this whole thing. Oh, that was the first time somebody role modeled for me how to own a mistake or mm. to apologize or to like find out the effect of what they did or you know, whatever the case may be. Mm. Like you do have the ability to do so much good from yeah. your mistake. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think, yeah, I fully agree with that. Yeah. Any thoughts, Carlos? Anything you want to add? Um, yeah, I'll say my thoughts and then we'll take a break and then come back. That'll be our last break. Okay. Um, basically, what I was thinking when you guys were saying that is um, it's not, I think people in general just have a, a, a problem or an issue with accepting or um, being okay with the fact that they're being criticized. Mm. Like some people don't know how to take criticism and make themselves better out of it some people just take it way too personally and um i think yeah it's i i feel like it would be harder for a therapist to be criticized that way from a client and not take it personally Mm. yeah is that accurate or i don't know i would say i i would well short answer yes i would say it is accurate and i think it 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 connects to a larger thing where how should i put this i think receiving feedback in general like even if you have done a good job of, of again sort of uh, separating these things and being open to that feedback and it's still uncomfortable it's uncomfortable when someone calls you out yeah right? it sucks it just it sucks yeah. um I, I hate it i have to, i hate it and so from a client it sucks because and there's i think that additional layer because you are serving them in that way right you're, you're trying to work for them and there was a power dynamic there and you know they have questioned that right they've, they've kind of you know they're sort of pausing that for a moment and going hey you know yeah. you, you could do better here they're questioning your methods and you're like well i'm the therapist right yeah. right exactly <laughs> yes and i think that's yes and that is uncomfortable it just says mm-hmm. and i think and again i think this this is again it, it ties back to to I, I keep uh, thinking uh, specifically about the anti-racism work, but like, and again, as a white provider thinking like if, if something comes up, I have people that I can process that with. Right. And people yeah. who are also who, um, you know, are, are, are not for one, not my client. Right. But also who are in that similar position of power and are probably working through their own versions of this. And I can go to them and I can, you know, use that space and time to do that. And not so much with the client. I think when a provider gets defensive and they start arguing with the client or they start, you know, now they're, again, they're doing some of the things that we just, we just uh, mentioned, but they're also taking up the client's space in doing that. Yeah. They're taking up their, their, their time, their space. I mean, they're paying you to do this or their insurance is paying you or whatever the arrangement. And so like, you're taking up that really precious space with your stuff at that point. Um, yeah, it sucks. But then I think that goes back to that consultation and supervision. And are you able to talk to other people? about this and people that you can trust and people who are, you know, um, and then you can come back and when you follow up with the client, hopefully be able to maintain that space for them and not put that on them. Yeah. If that makes absolutely. sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. If that, if it that has answers, its place, yeah. but it's not session. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Again, I think all- it's so important to have that, that consultation or supervision with people who will challenge you also. Yeah. Um, the supervision in itself is, like providing supervision has its own ethics about not just placating 
your supervisee. Yeah. So if a supervisee is coming in and saying like, oh, my client gave me this really difficult feedback, feedback, hi, so, um, work through it with them, but don't automatically jump to like, oh, I'm sure you're doing fine. Like, mm. no, you're not the one sitting in the therapy room with them. If yeah. the client is saying this, this is likely their experience. Yeah. And we can try to intellectualize it away all we want, but the reality is this is what's happening. And I have to assess like what my role is and how I can minimize this. Uh, and even if it is like, oh, I need to work on some different interventions with this one client because it's actually, you know, they're not responding so well to these this host of interventions that I do. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That may be like in quotes all it is, but have have a team that can do more than just make you feel okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. That's going to just pat you on the back kind of a thing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I, um, agree, Carlos, we can go to break. And when we come back, I do have, um, and maybe it could be like our last main focus, but I do have a question and probably more so for you and I, Emma, um, to consider even as we're doing this podcast. So I'll come back to that when we come back. All right, so we will resume uh, our conversation on ethics. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I, so is that okay if I, I pose uh, a subtopic or, or question? No. You left us with a cliffhanger. I'm dying to know. I did, I did. So, um, as therapists with clients in the world and with our own caseloads, we are here on a podcast talking about our inner thoughts and experiences and you know there's a definitely an in-depth book that we may you know again that maybe through self-disclosure some of this may be known but you know in a a lot of cases it wouldn't be um so what are our thoughts in terms of ethical considerations as we're doing this podcast (laughs) just emma's reaction (laughs) (laughs) i have like the most expressive face and i nod really aggressively I uh, okay. I am actually like giddy right now because I've been thinking about this. Um, we are we are but, we are nerds. I'm sorry, but oh God, like, we are very nerdy and dorky, and I just want to just There's nothing wrong with you. Nothing wrong with that. Just, we do need to acknowledge it though. We do. It's showing hard today. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually something that I've been thinking a lot about. Um, because I had had, I don't remember if I've said this in the podcast before, but I think I've talked with you about it, Tim, mm. where in general, as a counselor, I don't disclose much. Mm. You know, I will acknowledge the things that may have a direct impact on fashion. So like every single one of my clients knows I have a cat because she's dramatic mm. um, <laughs> and she makes herself known. So like that has to be acknowledged. Um, I have... Like, people know that I have a husband because mm-hmm. uh, he's working from home right now. So I, I will kind of clarify, like, <laughs> when we get deliveries or whatever and they may hear the doorbell, I will just say, like, no, I, my husband will go get that. Yeah. Um, it's not a guarantee that I'm going to be telling everyone in our first session, like, hi, I have a husband. <laughs> um, but I will disclose things that are obvious and then, you know, relatively mild things. You know, like, oh... I'm doing well. I had a really nice weekend. I got to see my family or, you know, something mm-hmm. more than just I'm fine. Cause I think that can be very cold. Yes. So in general, I don't disclose much. Mm-hmm. Um, however, as we've been doing the podcast, I have referenced like my age. I've talked about you know, my husband, but again, that's something that's not completely off the table. Um, mm-hmm. But my age is a big one. Cause previously I would not really, just close my age with clients. Mm. Um, best I would do would, you know, do a range or something. Mm. Like, oh, you know, I'm in my twenties. So I just, nice I, just laugh. I just, I just, I just like imagine you going. I'm in the twenty-five to thirty-three category. <laughs> and, but yeah, I, I hear, I hear what you're saying. Well, yeah. <laughs> I have my moments. I think it was one time actually. I said like, well, like I'm, I'm above twenty-five, but not quite at 30 either I like <laughs> I just looked at me and I was like I don't know why I like this I'm sorry um but yeah I'll kind of give like my decade I'm in my 20s or whatever um but I've referenced frequently enough in the podcast that I'm almost 30 mm. and that like I'm going yeah. to be 30 yeah Same. um and I've noticed now with clients I will disclose that a bit more readily because I feel this weird 
is a very roundabout answer, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But I feel this um like this discontent with appearing misleading, mm-hmm. I guess. So if a client will ask, you know, it's not just automatically, oh here I am, like here's my age. But um if they ask, I'll kind of inquire what's going on for them, but ultimately still tell them because mm. now I know that there is a podcast that my name is on that I am explicitly stating my age. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't want to create a, I might be overthinking it, but it's like, I don't mm. want that client to, I don't even know. I can't even put it into words. Am I making any sense right yeah, now? No, you don't want them to take it personally because like, it's some, like you're, you're making mm-hmm. it known elsewhere. But then when they ask, you're like, no, I can't tell you. Right. Right. Like, at that point, like, you're like, ugh. It's like, it almost feels like it's public information in a way. Right. So it's kind of like, well, so here, yeah, like, yeah, I've already told the world in a sense, even though right. it's a podcast that not the entire world is listening to, but just, I don't know who's listening to it, including that client. Um, yeah. So there is that kind of like, huh, ethically. Would I have like what is the benefit of me disclosing that other than a projection of my fears about how the client might feel? Mm. Yeah. I don't know if I can clinically justify it. Yeah. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Also, side note, the clinical nerd in me is immediately spiraling. Tim, this is going to be a hot topic in supervision. (laughs) (laughs) I think certainly, and and, yeah, we can we can consult. Um, But I I think that um, I think yeah, I think kind of as we as we think about and talk about how does how do therapists now? Grant, I want to. I don't want to sound like. Um, trying to find the word. I, I don't. I don't want to sound like egotistical here. But as therapists that are engaging in something that is public, right? It's like you know, we're not celebrities by any stretch of the imagination. But 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 you know, I, there are people that listen to this podcast, and um, and I and I'm sure you know we have clients that you know are or that will if they haven't yet. Um, it makes me think of there has been another. Um, there was another instance where um, so for common sense mental health, we have a a a um. We have a set of social media accounts, but we have a uh, uh, Instagram page that we, mm-hmm. you know, are, are very much, you know, we're constantly updating and we have a lot on there. And I, I, I'm not the one that operates it. Um, I don't, I don't do it. And actually, people listening, I don't myself disclosing this. It's, it's one of the, one of our co-owners of Common Sense, which is my mom. Um, so my, my mom is literally the one who is behind the Instagram. And uh, I had an instance where, because again, I mean, in terms of like as okay. being co-owners, um, I don't disclose you know, I don't talk about my clients. I don't, that's, that's between me and my clients. That's my practice, right? Like that's, you know, um, so that said, um, we have clients and people who follow our Instagram and I am sometimes aware of that. Sometimes I'm not, sometimes a client may mention, Oh, I found your, your business. Actually, what I've had happen is they'll say, I found common sense on Instagram. Then I found you on Instagram, but your, your page is private. I, and, and I, I get the sense that you probably don't want me to follow you. And I'll explain, I'll say, listen, you're more than happy, you're more than welcome to follow common sense. That's, that's totally up to you. But yes, no, I would not, you know, right. So there's that bounty there. Right. Um, but, um, so long story short, common sense will, you know, for people that it follows, it will like certain things that they may post. So common sense followed has followed, you know, people who are clients back. And because the person running the page does not know that they're clients and they're not going to know. Um, and, and I'm being very vague right now on purpose so that it's not revealed. Um, you know, they're, they're going to like things that maybe that are related to a client of mine, but it's not me liking it. And right. You know, and I've never, I've so far, I've not had an issue with that. I've, I've had, and the reason why I know this is that I have had a few instances where a client has pointed it out. They said, "Oh yeah, well, a common sense like this back," or they they uh, followed me back, and I'm like, "Okay." And what I'll offer them, what I'll say to them is, you know, if if that makes you uncomfortable, I can absolutely, because I do have access to the account. So basically, what I say is, I can go in there and remove you, and no one has to know. The person who's running the page will will not notice a difference and, and she yeah. wouldn't. Um, so I can I can remove that and this is not even a problem and you know, but I'm not going to run and tell this person oh, you know, you mm-hmm. are connected with my client on here and because in that end of itself becomes a HIPAA violation. Yeah. Um, so, and every time I presented that the person's been like, oh no, it's fine. I, I just I just thought it was cool, you know, and they get kind of like a kick out of it because they're not getting that from <laughs> me, but they're getting it from the business. So it's yeah. like but it's weird because it's like <laughs> 
you know, there that, that you talk about gray area, like that's a there's some, yep. a lot of gray in that. And mm-hmm. um, I did not expect that. I, I did not think of that prior to us creating an Instagram account. And there's plenty of providers who do that. And it's not uncommon. And it's okay. It's okay. I think that we're doing this podcast. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But kind of like going back to what you're saying, there are those kind of unique, very gray situations that can arise from that that we didn't have to think about. And okay, well, if the client is hearing this or if they're seeing it in that context, how do I address that in our work while keeping it on them, while not taking up too much space and all those other things, if that Mm -hmm. makes any sense? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So that being said, um, yeah, any additional thoughts that come up for either of you? No, I have like more like like topics, but that'll just make this turn into like a three-hour episode. So we'll say, do we want to do we want to follow up and talk more about ethics in our next podcast? Do part two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do that. Okay. Because I have, I'll probably um come back with more notes too. Okay. Now that I have what this was about, I'll come back. Do you want to give us a spoiler? Because now I'm just curious. Um, well, there's just different things like dating as a as a counselor like as a mental counselor how does that work for ethics and like oh my god um you know uh ethics with co-workers as a mental counselor Mm -hmm. um just oh when you're in like a session and you you maybe have to yell at a client like do you yell at a client do you not yell at a client Hmm. I don't know, things like that. The the <laughs> dating one, that's a really great, especially like in Albany, Albany, Troy, Tampany, yeah. like it's such a small area. We could probably do a whole episode on that. Yeah. So yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. That's a really yeah. good, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, well, let's come back to that then. Let's, yeah, yeah. yep. If that makes I love sense. It. Uh-huh. Cool. All right. Is that it? I guess. Well, well, yeah, let's stop there. If that makes sense. Like, that's I think, a good place for us to end. And then we'll um, next week follow up with a part two. Well, sounds like a plan. All right. <laughs> well, thank you both for, for joining. Thank you. Of course. Um, and we will pick this up uh, next week. Cool. All right. Bye.